Yo, today's QOD is follow one course until successful. Here we go. of the day show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. We got Robert Kiyosaki on the show for your Finance Friday episode. And today, Robert's going to talk about how most of the standard financial advice that we get doesn't really make any sense. And as I talked about at the end of yesterday's episode, I encourage you to listen to this one over and over and over again. Because if and when you do, I, I promise you, You're going to learn something new every single time. Robert Kiyosaki, he is coming up. I was watching this very popular uh, morning program that goes all the way across the U.S., and they have the very good-looking couple, you know, the host and hostess, and they're saying, okay, it's the start of the year, and this time we're going to have the financial expert of planet Earth come in and give us financial advice for the new year. So... Welcome, so-and-so, financial advisor. And never gives my hand on all this, you know. So this guy pops out, and this is 1999, he goes, okay, ladies and gentlemen, my financial advice for the new year is work hard. And the, and the young host and hostess go, oh, that's such brilliant advice. Big hand, big hand, big hand, big hand. So the next year, they invite him back again, and again, Freddie Financial comes popping back up there and says, what's your advice for the new year? And he says, I advise people to work hard. And again, the, the magical couple on the TV show, oh, wonderful, wonderful. Where does he come up with that great financial information? I just don't know where he comes up for it. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Then after the year 2000, the market started to crash. Remember that? It started to go down. And so they invite Freddie Financial back on again. They say, and welcome for the new year. He's going to give us the advice of how to handle this tough financial situation. And so Freddie Financial comes out, and one more time he says, my advice for this year is... And did this stop the market crash? No, the market kept going. And between the year 2000 and 2003, the people that followed this advice, millions of them, many people with 401ks, lost an estimated seven to nine trillion dollars worth of their savings. They got wiped out. Those same, that same period, Wall Street paid the highest bonuses ever to their people. To me, that's unconscionable. But the reason it's unconscionable here is most people think that this is investment advice, and what you'll find is is primarily a sales pitch. It is not good investment advice. Now, I'm not saying don't follow it. I'm saying if you want to be rich, this is bad financial advice. And what I'll be going into is why I say it's bad financial advice. Number one, when you look at work hard, the reason work hard makes no sense is because most people work hard over here. The reason you don't want to work hard here is because the more you work for money, the tax laws are written against anybody who works for money. If you're a laborer, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or an employee, 
All, the, the more you harder, the harder you work, the more money you make, the higher your tax bracket is. So these people get wiped out. The tax breaks are over here for people who have people work for them or their money work for them. That's the big difference. Save money is the next biggest one here. The reason save money is really, really bad advice is very simply because the world changed in the world time 1971. In 1971, there was a man named President Nixon who took office. And what, what happened in 1971 was Nixon turned our, he turned our money into currency. So after 1971, we're no longer saving money. After 1971, we started saving a currency. And the problem with a currency is a currency is just printed by the government. It's called fiat currency. And what happened in 1971 was Nixon took us off what's called the Bretton Woods Agreement, which started in 1944 and ended in 1971. Up until 1971, the U.S. dollar was actually pegged to a thing called gold. I, I forget the exact dollar amount, but that's one of the biggest problems. So after 1971, our school systems forgot to tell people that we're no longer saving money, we're saving a currency. And if you studied economics, this is what a currency is designed to do. It's very simple. Over 40 years, a currency is designed to fall. Let's say you have $1. A currency is designed to drop in value to about $0.05. Cents. So you never get ahead financially because the dollar is dropping. So after 1971, you shouldn't be saving money anymore because you're saving a currency. Now, some people can say, well, how do you know this is true? Is the reason I, I know this is, I'm not saying this is 100% accurate because there's other factors to it, is my father's house purchased in 1967 or something was $50,000. And today, that house is now worth 1.5 million. It's the same house. In fact, it's in worse shape now. But the house did not appreciate in value. What happened is the dollar depreciated in value. So the problem with the currency is it's always losing value. The other way of looking at this is, the question is, when uh, the president or the Federal Reserve chairman gets on board, he talks about this word here. How many people have heard them say there's no inflation? Okay, how many people realize that things are going up in price? Okay, but, so the question is, how is it that our leaders can say there's no inflation. And the reason, for, the reason they can say that is very simply because the Federal Reserve Bank is only charged with tracking CPI, what's known as consumer price index. The only thing they're concerned about is the price of consumer goods, i.e. this is consumer goods, this is consumer goods, my watch are consumer goods. Consumer good prices are coming down very simply because China is coming up. But what they don't tell you is this, is that the reason they can say that there's no inflation is because of consumer prices. But if you study basic accounting or uh, economics, they don't, they are not charged with tracking asset value. So what's happening is asset prices are going up because, and consumer prices are going down. And that's why saving money doesn't make any sense. For one, for one big reason, the government can print money faster than you can save it. On top of that, during this period of time when inflation was running, say inflation was running at 50%, banks were paying you 1% interest on your money. And yet those financial advisors will tell you you should save money because money of the magic of compounding. Well, let me tell you, this is compounding a lot faster than this thing here. 
So I'm not saying that this is the truth. You know, watch the price of oil, watch the price of gold. If you see gold drop into $100 an ounce, maybe you should save money. Or the government's not printing any more money. But this is stupid. To save money when this, these trends are going on, it makes no sense. That makes sense, you guys, here? So that's why I don't save money. I've been saving gold since 1996. But one of the biggest lessons my rich dad taught me was the difference between there is good debt versus what? Hello, good debt versus what? Bad debt. Very simple as this. Good debt makes you rich, bad debt makes you poor. And as I said earlier, the reason that most people in the middle class and the poor are struggling is what they spend their money on, is they're spending money on things that are in bad debt, things that are consumer items, not asset items. And that's the big difference. So I said the average person who's a passive investor, you know, they believe in saving money and getting out of debt. The next one is invest for the long term. And the reason I think that's really silly is very simply because as a passive investor, you don't know what long term means. But as an active investor, I need to know the difference between commissions versus what? Fees. And the difference here is this, is when I buy a piece of real estate, I may pay a 6% commission. But if I start investing in a mutual fund or one of those funds, I pay fees forever. So let's say I start when I'm 25 and I go till I'm 65. Every quarter, every year, I'm paying a fee to the mutual fund company. With, re with real estate, I pay it once, and that's all I have to pay. So one of the, I don't mind a person making money, but what I object to, I mean, anybody, if they're taking fees and I'm not making any money, I think that's highly unethical. You know, at least with my real estate commissions, I, is my, I have some control over that. Does that make sense to you guys here? It's the reason mutual funds don't work is very simply because they're just taking too many fees out. And the worst thing about it is, is that the mutual fund companies do not have to provide you with a financial statement, so you never know how, how high their expenses are. So to me, it's, it's only, a mutual fund company can only operate because we have financially illiterate or financially uh, unsophisticated investors. I personally don't want to just give somebody my money for 40 years and they take a fee off of it every year. That makes no sense to me. That makes sense to you guys here? So then the, the last thing here is diversify, diversify, diversify. How many people heard diversify? Good. D diversify, there's another word for it, it's called diversify. You know? And uh, rather than take my word for it, because I don't diversify. I selectively look hard until I find one great investment. And when I find that great investment, I strike on it. But I will not just buy a whole bunch of junk. But don't take my word for it again. Listen to what Warren Buffett says about the word diversify or diversify. He says, diversification is protection against ignorance. It makes little sense for those that know what they are doing. And he's the world's greatest investor. But the thing about the reason they say is protection against ignorance, in my opinion, is the ignorance of the person selling you the investment. And why I say that is most people selling mutual funds are on this side of the equation here. They couldn't tell you a good investment from a bad investment. So it's actually protection from them. If you diversify and the market crashes, they can say, well, I protected him. But they're also protecting who? themselves. And, and that's why that, that I don't really su support diversification. What I support instead, if you're an active investor, is this word here, is I focus. I'm looking for that deal, constantly looking for it. And what focus stands for is follow one course until successful.
Now, what I mean by that is there's several things. As I look, look, and look until I find what I want. But also, when I was learning how to be a real estate investor, I stayed with it, stayed with it, stayed with it, stayed with it until I was pretty good at it. And then I moved on to some other kind of investment. I don't diversify. The problem with diversification is this, is if the market crashes and you get wiped out in your 401k, your retirement plan, your financial planner will not give you a money-back guarantee. So let's say it crashes when you're 55 years old. You see, by, by, by diversifying or following this advice, you're not any smarter than when you started. You have no experience, so you cannot recover. Does that make sense to you guys here? So I'd rather learn to invest and focus and buy what I want to buy, even though I make some mistakes early on in my life, and that way I don't have to make the mistakes again. So that's, that's a very big difference. So let me just say this much. If you have low financial education, follow this advice. Work hard, save money, get out of debt, invest for the long term, diversify. This is great advice for passive investors who just turn their money over to somebody they hope is smarter than they are. But if you want to be an active investor, then you, follow, you focus, you follow one course until successful. That was Robert Kiyosaki wrapping up the week on a Finance Friday. His website is richdad.com. I highly recommend you read his books. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's fantastic. Uh, the Cash Flow Quadrant. I just finished reading his most recent book called Fake, about like fake assets and fake money and fake teachers. It was really good. Thick book, but really good. I'm about to read another one in the Rich Dad series, which is called uh, Tax-Free Wealth, which I can't wait to dig into. And so check out his books. Also check out today's entire talk. It's from an Audible program. You can find it at audible.com, of course. It is called The Ultimate Rich Dad Library. It's like 12 hours of wisdom from uh, Robert as well as his wife, Kim. And so check that out. And also, you have a fantastic weekend. I will see you on Monday. I am out. Peace. Peace.